It's hard to believe we've only got two weeks to go in our study of the book of Revelation. Um, how many of you have received a, a little revelation from the book of Revelation? Amen. I want to clarify that the name of the book is not plural. It's not revelations. Uh, many have said, oh, Pastor, we've so much uh, enjoyed, been enriched through the study in the book of Revelations. Well, it contains revelations, but it, it is singular uh, because all the little lesser revelations in the book all point to the one revelation of Jesus Christ. So just keep that in, in perspective. This morning we come to the last two chapters. Next week we're going to look at the capstone of the book of Revelation, what it means to be an overcomer. But today chapter is 21 and 22. Now that Satan is out of the way, hell's out of the way, sin's out of the way, we get the clearest view of heaven anywhere in, ever written, really. Certainly anywhere in the Bible, but beyond the Bible. This is the clearest revelation you will ever find on heaven. And uh, preaching on this, I'll never forget, sitting on my mother's bedside uh, a month or so before she went to heaven, and I said, Mom, let's just take a few minutes here. We don't know how much more you've got to live, but I want to talk with you about heaven. And so I started talking about the things I'm going to be preaching this morning. And I'll never forget, she said, Fred, really? Oh, she goes, oh, oh my, oh, oh, I've been a Christian more than 50 years. Oh, Fred, why didn't anyone tell me this? Oh, she kept going, oh, and, and she said, tell me more. And what I thought would be a three to five minute conversation went 45 minutes to an hour of me describing the truth and reality of heaven, and I hope in the room today there'll be a few, oh, 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 pastor, tell us more, tell us more. I want to begin with a quiz, uh, 12 questions, and they're all true or false, and um, let's see how well you know about heaven. Number one, heaven is a spiritual place that is non-physical. Two, in heaven we will each have our own home in the country. Three, the streets of heaven are painted gold. Four, in heaven we will go to church every day. Five, in heaven there is no sun or moon. Six, heaven will be wall-to-wall -wall people. Uh, seven, heaven will be like a long vacation, a lot of naps and not much to do. Eight, in heaven Christ will be the only one to get all the credit. Uh, nine, everyone gets to heaven. Ten, heaven is whatever you want it to be. Eleven, the day of Christ's return is fixed, and we should not want him to come sooner. Twelve, heaven is the end toward which all history is moving. Um, okay, twelve-question quiz. They're all true or false, they're all right and wrong, and now we will dig in. And I think we're going to have some fun this morning. Let me say, with one message left on, from the book of Revelation, the Sunday after Christmas, we're going to be starting the book of Acts. 
that we're going to take the book of Acts all uh, winter and spring, and uh, we've already purchased a copy of the Acts uh, journal for each of you, and we'll be giving it out the Sunday right after Christmas. It's going to be a remarkable study together. But let's dig in. Number one, no, heaven is not a spiritual place that is non-physical. Heaven will be just as physical as earth. It says in Revelation 21.1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and earth has passed away, and the sea was no more. The, the reality is, heaven will be no less physical and no more spiritual than life on earth today. This life is physical and spiritual, and heaven will be physical and spiritual. Here, most of our culture around us denies the spiritual. So if that's the standard, heaven will be acknowledging the current reality that most people are missing, that life is also spiritual, but it will be no less physical. In fact, both the Hebrew Old Testament and the Greek New Testament use one word for heaven. One word. In English, we use two words. We use sky to refer to the physical universe, and we use heaven to refer to the immaterial or the reality of the afterlife. But our, we dichotomize the, the reality of heaven um, from the, the sky. In reality, the sky, the physical reality of the sky and the, the equal reality of the afterlife don't need to be separated. They should be kept combined the way it's done in Hebrew and Greek culture. So there will be a new heaven and a new earth, which indicates that heaven will have more in common with our life on earth than not in common. It's fascinating. Yes, there will be dogs in heaven, but they will not bite. Uh, yes, there will be golf courses in heaven, but you won't shank the ball. Uh, yes, there will be food in heaven, but you don't have to worry about counting calories. Hallelujah. 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 Number two, heaven is described not as a, a little house on the prairie. Heaven is described as, as a city. Revelation 21, 2. Then I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So if you were thinking that heaven is going to be a little house on the prairie, you're going to have your own little bungalow without, without any neighbors, you're, you're sadly mistaken. But as we will see, all the downside of a city will, will, will be absent. Um, in fact, what we're going to discover this morning is that, you know, we build cities or you, you either live in a city or you live in, in the suburbs or the country. In heaven, it's going to be kind of merged. There's going to be country in the city and city in the country, and, and there will be no soot, there will be no smog, there will be no horns honking in, in frustration, there will be no pickpockets, there will be no dark, dark alleys, uh, there will be no dumpsters, uh, there'll be no pick, you know, okay, all that. 
uh, all that's gone. All the things some of us may dislike about the city, they will be removed. And, and the city of God, it's, in fact, there's four characteristics. There is, number one, symmetry. There will be perfect symmetry. Some, some of us get, get maybe overwhelmed. We feel uh, out of place when we're in a city because, like, it's chaotic. Uh, what's going on? There, there is perfect symmetry in heaven. In fact, it says that it's 12,000 stadia in every direction. Uh, a stadia, let me just give you a little clue here. The word stadia in your Bible is the Greek word for stadium, from which we get stadium. So a stadia was the size of a Roman Colosseum. That was a stadia. So for us, we could say in the ballpark of, you know, a football field, say, goes inside the stadium, and then maybe the size of a football stadium on each side, or a football field on each side, so maybe 300 yards or three football fields in length. That's about a stadia. But it says 12,000 stadia. 12,000 wide, 12,000 long, and of all things, 12,000 high. I, I don't know quite how that's going to work, but we'll find out when we get there. But it's perfect symmetry, perfect balance, perfect harmony, perfect proportion. But unlike a city that can seem like all asphalt and, and cement, this city, it says, it looks like a bride adorned for her wedding. So it's more about the people and the lovely people and the beautiful people than, than cement and asphalt. We just have to see this. It's the way it's described. Perfect symmetry. And the second characteristic of heaven in terms of the dimensions and the characteristics of it is its light. Uh, there, there will be no dark alleys. There's no theft, there's no need for locks on your doors, there's no security system. If there are police, they won't have billy clubs and handcuffs or tasers. Maybe they'll be singing to us as we walk by. Helping old ladies across the street. I don't know what they'll be doing, but they're not there to enforce law. There is light. The third characteristic is fertility. Uh, we think of, of, of uh, the rural is, is where the farms are and so forth. No, there's farms in this city. It says there's groves of trees. Uh, and we're going to get to that. But there's fertility in life. And the fourth characteristic here is the, the sheer size of the place. If you multiply 12,000 stadia cubed, which is the dimensions of this city, the size is 3,255,000 cubic miles. Miles. Let me say it again. 3,255,000 square miles. So I think that's going to be plenty of room for all of us to maneuver around uh, and enjoy the city of God. A third, this was kind of a trick question, the streets of heaven are not painted gold, they are gold. There's nothing, there's no veneer. This isn't gold-plated. And you know, I think of, of 
how we work to put our money in banks or investments or stocks. Some people are now buying gold and silver and uh, putting your money there because the price of the dollar is sure to collapse sooner or later and gold will give us some. Imagine putting your money in gold and yet gold in heaven is what they pave streets out of. It's road fill. It's what they fill potholes with. And we put all our our trust in, in gold. Lord, have mercy on us. No, the streets of heaven. And imagine, if they pave their streets with gold, imagine what they value. Hallelujah. Number four may be the most surprising, but in heaven, we're never gonna go to church. Some of you young ones may be saying, oh, good, I don't have to go to church again. But let me tell you, there, there, there's no temples, no cathedrals, no uh, mosques, no churches, because God's presence fills the place. Amen. Revelation 21, 22, then I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. Hallelujah. Number five. Now, I'm going to read the text first, and it actually, these same words appear both in chapter 21 and 22, but Revelation 21, verse 23, this answers the fifth question. It says, the city has no need for sun or moon to shine uh, in it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lord. It does not say there is no sun or moon, because if, if God's making a new heaven... He's going to make the stars new, the moons, the, 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 the planets. They're going to be new, but they're going to be there. It's just that we won't have need for them for our light because the light comes from the presence of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number six. Heaven, believe it or not, will not be wall-to-wall people. Look at Revelation 22, verses 1 to 2. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb through the middle of the streets of the city. Now, I've been to Amsterdam, and that water, you would not want to take a bath in that water. That is the most polluted. I mean, I won't mention the stuff I've seen floating in the canals in Amsterdam. But there, anyway, I've seen junk floating in all the great cities of the world. This, this the, the river down the middle of the city is clean as crystal. Hallelujah. And then uh, through the middle of the street, also on either side of the river, so, so of all things, the river's right down the middle of the street. Main Street, uh, heaven, there's a river down, down the middle. I guess that means it's a boulevard. That's all I can imagine. But, but somehow down the middle is the river. On either side is the street. But listen, to, it goes on. Listen, to, and you can see if you can figure this out. On either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yields its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, <clears throat> is this one tree like a banyan tree with roots on both sides that somehow creates this arch over the river? I don't think so. In my mind, this is a species of tree that, that there's groves of on one side of the street and there's groves on the other side of the street. There's an orchard 
of the trees of life. And, and they, they, this is the fruit of the month club. This is the ultimate fruit of the month. Every month they bear fruit. I don't know if it's the same trees bearing bananas in June and oranges in July and, and coconuts in August. I don't know how it's going to do, but, but somehow each month it bears fruit. Hallelujah. And the leaves of the tree, those leaves we have to blow off our deck all the time, the leaves, they're not going to rot. These leaves are for the healing of the nation. It's really awesome. Medicinal leaves from God's trees in this unheard of city called heaven. Hallelujah. Now, number seven, I hope you're still with me because this one is my favorite. Heaven will not be a long vacation with lots of naps and nothing to do. If, if heaven was, you know, everybody gets their own hammock and you're constrained to that hammock for millions of years, I would be miserable. I mean, you might as well strap me to a bed of nails. I mean, sitting around, I wasn't made to sit around. I like to work. I'm not a workaholic, but, but I thrive. I, I love what I do and I love doing it. And God, and God made you that way. Now, in this season of your life, you may be past your most productive years, but God will restore your most productive years. So, but, but let me show it to you first in the scripture before I get carried away. In verse 3, look at what it says. No longer will there be anything accursed. That word is key. We'll come back to it. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. Now, if you would circle in your journal, page 84, the word worship. But before we define it, look at verse uh, 9. You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. And then these two words, worship God, verse 9, worship God. Circle the word worship God, worship. Now, put a line to the side and... The word in verse 9 for worship is the common word that means to give adoration, to give honor. That's the common word for worship. And, and here, John falls down in front of the angel, and for the third time in the book of Revelation, the angel says to John, would you knock it off? Don't worship me. Wor worship God. The, the Greek word is proskuneo. Pros is toward, kuneo literally means means to kiss. That's what the word, in verse 9, it means to give affection, to give adoration to Jesus. That's verse 9. That's not the word in verse 3. It's the same English word, worship. But in verse 3, you know what the word means here? It's the word in the Greek, latruo, and it means work. Work. And it says, and his, all his servants will work for him. 
So no, heaven is not one big worship service. Heaven is us working, but notice what it said earlier in verse 3, all the accursed is gone. Remember in, in Genesis chapter 3, it says to, to man, from now on you will live by the sweat of your brow. God cursed the work, and so we get frustrated. We're working on our computer, and all of a sudden the document disappears. Oh no, what happened? We, we invest in a certain stock, and that stock goes, goes down. Oh no, I worked hard for that money. I wanted it to earn me more, and now it's gone. All those frustrations will be gone in heaven. You'll be working, but you'll be using everything God put in you that you love doing. You'll be, it'll be redeemed, and without frustration, you will be working, you will be thriving. Hallelujah. If you're a creative person, if you're a singer here, you're going to be a singer there. If you're an artist here, your artistry will be taken to new heights. If you're a leader, if you're entrepreneurial, you will be pioneering in heaven. You'll be discovering in heaven. If you're a scientist here, you'll be a scientist there. Whatever it is that you're doing. Now, if you're a nurse, what about a doctor? I don't know how that translates because nobody's going to be sick, but, but you'll, you'll have a better assignment in heaven. What you loved about serving in the medical field, somehow you will find an expression for that that will be 10,000 times more fulfilling to you. Hallelujah. That's heaven. I can't wait. Number eight. Believe it or not, in heaven, Christ will not be the only one getting uh, credit. If you're redeemed, you will be getting credit also. Well, Pastor, that doesn't sound right. Well, look at verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon. Now let me just stop. We mentioned in our study that Jesus makes seven appearances in the book of Revelation. He's there in the first chapter, and here he is now in the last chapter, chapter 22, and that's where he appears. He's the one speaking here. He comes and he's saying, I am coming soon. Behold, I am coming soon. And listen to the one thing Jesus promises to bring with him when he returns. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me. Now recompense, there's a word we don't use very often. What it means is reward. I bring my reward with me. In the margin, next to verse 12, write down Matthew 5, verse 12. Matthew 5, 12. And it says, um, Matthew 5, 12, it says, Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Great is your reward. Now, some of us have this problem with false humility. Like, we, we, we're kind of clumsy about receiving compliments. Oh, it's nothing. Oh, I, I just give the credit to the Lord. Well, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, sure, we should all give the credit to the Lord. But let me just say, you can enjoy it for a few minutes. You, you really ought to get over yourself. If you're a landscaper and you do a great job and somebody compliments you, accept that. Thank you. If you're a vocalist and you got people that appreciate that, appreciate it, savor it. And when you get to heaven, part of the beauty of being in heaven 
is while you did not earn your way there, you didn't get in because of any works of yours, you're no better than the biggest scumbag that ever lived, you didn't deserve it, you got in there free, once you're in, you're gonna get rewards for everything your redeemed humanity did that pleased God. Every time you moms and dads got up in the middle of the night and cleaned up, cleaned up barf off the, off the, 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 the carpet or, or changed dirty ones and, and put your kids through college and, and all the rest of it, uh, you know, you stayed up at three in the morning because your teenagers weren't home yet and they were supposed to be home three hours ago and, and all those things, you're going to get your reward. For every life group you, you lead, you're going to get a reward. For every time you shared the gospel with someone going door to door with your neighbors, for every meal you brought to a new person in your neighborhood to tell them uh, there's one true God and his son is Jesus Christ, and I'd love to tell you more, but here's, here's a turkey dinner just to bless you this year for moving in my neighborhood. They're all going to be rewarded. Those that weren't noticed on earth will be noticed in heaven. Hallelujah. Jesus, when he comes, is bringing his recompense. And part of the dignity of following Christ is the fact that he has redeemed our humanity. And we will get rewards for every, you know, we do a lot wrong. I still do a lot wrong. Once in a while, I go home and I'll say to Sherry, well, today I did one thing right. We signed a check and we gave... 1,800 bucks to pay somebody's medical bills in the church that couldn't pay it. We did something right today. Hallelujah. Think of it. These are Jesus' words. Behold, I am coming soon and I'm bringing my rewards with me. It's the only thing he's going to have to bring is rewards for you. It's amazing. What a redeemer. And the, so the first part of that is that you're going to get it. You're going to get a reward. You're going to get a thank you. You're going to get out a boy. And then you're going to have that as something to give to Jesus. But it doesn't even end with him. It says... Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Therefore God bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Even those dirty, rotten scoundrels under the earth. Hallelujah. Every knee will bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. That's heaven. That's heaven. Fifteen times Jesus talked about rewards. And it's to be a motivation in my life and in your life that you will get a reward. You don't work for heaven, but there's nothing wrong with anticipating rewards. God wants you to feel his pleasure and anticipate the pleasure. Number nine is a sad one. It's the sad reality that not everyone gets to heaven. 
It says here in verse 14, blessed are those who have washed their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Jesus said, I am the gate. I am the gate. But listen to what it says in verse 19. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, and the sexually immoral, and murderers, and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices Look at the last word, falsehood. You know another name for a falsehood? Hypocrisy. Think of that. Every phony will be outside. So clearly not everyone gets to heaven. In fact, there's only one way to get to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one, no one, no one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the only way. There is one name under heaven by which we must be saved. There is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. There's one way. And the next one, 10. Heaven is not whatever you want it to be. Heaven is not a projection of yourself. In fact, heaven is not only God's design, God designed heaven before he designed you. Before he created the the, the earth, he created the, I mean, there was heaven. Here's the deal. Heaven is not a consolation prize. Heaven is not God's second best. God didn't come up with heaven after we messed up earth. It was his first intention. Let me tell you something else that that means. No matter how beautiful your home is, and God wants us to take care of what we got. Nothing wrong with having a beautiful home. Nothing wrong with having a lavish home. But imagine, just imagine, you you own a a home with a dozen bedrooms and two dozen bathrooms and a jacuzzi in each of the bedrooms, a lap pool that's heated indoors, and you live on the 18th green at Augusta. I mean, just imagine... that's impossible, but I mean, just I mean, put, put, imagine you got the coolest home ever on the beach of Maui. I mean, just, just imagine. Imagine. That, that place is a starter home compared to heaven. It's a starter home. Heaven is going to be 10,000 times cooler than the coolest place on earth. Amen. It's awesome. Hallelujah. Keep that in mind when you buy gifts this Christmas. Don't think that, you know, for everything else there's MasterCard. <laughs> Number 11. 
This is so deep in my spirit this morning. The date of Christ's return is certainly fixed. And at the same time, it is perfectly natural for every healthy Christian to want him to come sooner and to ask him to come sooner. I always knew in my spirit that was true, but it helps me to see it in Scripture. Listen to what it says here in, in uh, verse 17. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Now think of that. What this means is the Holy Spirit is saying to Jesus, come, come, come. And the bride, that's the church, is saying, come. Well, if the Spirit of God is begging Jesus to come, there's certainly nothing wrong with us begging Jesus to come. In fact, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you, you are asking him to come. Hallelujah. And to come quickly. To come quickly. Come. Come. This is a part of prayer that we want to tap into. It is not denying reality. This isn't a consolation price. This isn't, oh, my life is so miserable here, Lord, please won't you come. No, no matter how good you have it, heaven is so much better, we should be begging him to come. Come. If you have a grown child who lives out of town, don't you call them and see if they can come for Christmas sometime? Don't you do that? Why? Because you love them and you want to be with them. Well, why don't you just settle for the phone? We'll just settle for FaceTime. I mean, just FaceTime. What, what difference does it make? No. I mean, would, would anybody be talked at? No. We want our, our loved ones to be with us on Christmas. Well, if, if you appreciate the first Christmas, you ought to be longing for the second Christmas. If you appreciate the first coming of Jesus, you ought to be looking forward to the second coming of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you love him. Part of your conversation on the phone of prayer ought to be, Lord, come quickly. Please come. And it's not just the last-ditch effort. Things are so bad here. It's because, Lord, we just love you and we long for your presence to return. Please, Jesus, come. In fact, the last time Jesus appears here is in verse 20, the next to the last verse. Surely I am coming soon. That's the sixth time in the book of Revelation, Jesus says, I'm coming soon. The sixth time. And, you know, there's so many sevens in the book of Revelation, I thought, I must have missed one. I checked 12 times. I promise you there's only six. I thought, rats, that would be a great punch, you know, way to finish the message. Talk about the seven times. But, but here's what I got out of that. Six times are written, but the seventh is the Holy Spirit talking to you today, I'm coming soon, I'm coming soon. Get the seventh one prophetically spoken to your spirit from the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. He's saying it to the church. He was an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. The Spirit is saying, I'm coming soon, I'm coming soon, I'm coming soon, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, next to verse 20 in your margin, I would like you to write this verse down. 1 Corinthians 16, 22. 1 Corinthians 16, 22. It's the only place in the Bible you'll find the Aramaic word Maranatha. It means, come, Lord. Come. 
It's a prayer. It's an Aramaic prayer. The early church used it often. It's in Josephus, a lot of the Irenaeus, the early church fathers used the expression Maranatha. It was a popular prayer of the early church come. Now, if the early church was led to coin a phrase, Maranatha, and make it part of their conversation, part of their vocabulary, part of their uh, worship. Way back then, all that time earlier, how much more should we as the church be awake to be saying Maranatha, come Lord, to put it in our vocabulary? Hallelujah. Would you say it with me? Maranatha. Again, Maranatha. Let's say it again. Maranatha. We say it so infrequently, say it again. Maranatha, may the Lord put it in your spirit, in your prayer life. In fact, if you keep a prayer journal, I challenge you, put it in your journal, write it down, Maranatha, and come back to it. Lord, come, come. If you're engaged, don't you want to see your spouse, your spouse-to-be? Don't you long for the wedding day? If you're engaged, we're the bride. He's the bridegroom. This is, this is a healthy prayer for any healthy bride to say to the groom, can't we move up the wedding? Can't you come sooner? Hallelujah. The 12th one is another surprise. Believe it or not, heaven is not the end we're all moving toward it's the beginning. It's the beginning. Heaven is not a static place. Even though Christ has been working on it for 2,000 years, it's not static in that the moment you get there, you discover everything there is to know. That's ridiculous. God is omniscient. You will never be omniscient. The fact of the matter is there is joy in discovering and every day in heaven there will be new discoveries. Hallelujah. It says here in Revelation 21.5, Behold, I am making all things new. It does not say I have made all things new. It's very specific. I am in the process of making all things new. And every day in heaven that will be true. Every day in heaven, God's making all things new. He's making them all new. I, I, in a sense, there will be a news feed in heaven. But it's not, you know, has Trump finally uh, been found the winner or loser? Uh, it's not that kind of a news feed. Is there going to be kingdom discoveries? Hallelujah. Kingdom discoveries. Hallelujah. Amen. And put next to that scripture revelation 21.9, put Isaiah 9.6. For to you a son is given, to you a child is born, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now listen to this. And of the increase of his government, of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. I love that. If it just said his government, there's a lot of governments that are increasing, that it, there's increasing chaos. It's control. 
But as God's government expands, there's increased peace that comes with it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the very fact that his government is always increasing and his peace is always increasing is proof that there is an ever-expanding universe in heaven. Hallelujah. It's incredible. The joys that we have of discovering new things will be ours every day in heaven. You can make your rounds. You can hear um, preaching from, from Paul. You can hear preaching from Peter. And you'll sit and you'll share with each other things you're learning. You, you'll be pioneering. You'll be overseeing. You'll be managing. If you're a farmer here, wait till you see your, the farm you get in heaven. If you're a leader here, imagine what you'll be leading in heaven. All the gifts that God's put in you will come to f fruition Amen. in heaven like you couldn't imagine. Even before the worship team comes, I'd like us all to st stand. Just let's stand together. Without any movement, I want to give you an opportunity right now. It would be an utter travesty to talk about heaven without giving each person here, every single one, an opportunity to receive the free gift of eternal life. The Bible says, it's in the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 23, the wages, what we deserved, is death. But the free gift of God the free gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I want to give you an opportunity right now to receive the free gift of eternal life. Just open your hands as you stand there. You don't need to raise them over your head. Just open uh, palms up. And if, if you want to receive heaven this morning, receive eternal life in Jesus Christ, just pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I humble myself. I cannot save myself. I could never earn my way into heaven. I see this morning the truth and reality that you designed heaven for me and me for heaven. But my only hope of getting there is in Jesus Christ. And today I receive salvation in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross, that you rose from the dead, that you are alive forever and ever. And you hold the keys and today, stamp my passport for heaven. Put in my passport, the passport of my heart. Put in my heart, the visa for heaven. Put it in me. I receive. Before I finish in prayer, if you just prayed that prayer with me, would you just quietly raise a hand and say, yes, pastor, I prayed that prayer. God bless you. Any others? Praise God. Praise God. Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you for the free gift of heaven. Thank you for salvation, free and clear. We look forward with eager anticipation, having received salvation today, to enter in someday in the future to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.